Hi there. Wanted to let you know that there are a bunch of ways to help out the show, uh, and you can find most of them at duckfeed.tv slash tipjar. There's an Amazon link where you can do your normal Amazon shopping, and uh, we get a small cut of whatever you buy. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but it does go a long way towards helping us out. And then that also can take you to the Patreon page at uh, patreon.com slash duckfeedtv, where you can pledge a couple of bucks a month and get some pretty cool stuff. Go check that stuff out because it really does help us make more and better stuff. Thank you. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Bonfireside Chat. It is a kindled favorite. Yes, and this week we are reading your responses to the Smoldering Lake and Demon Ruins. Uh, huge thanks to Sean Wagner, uh, uh, the lore hunter, who is here with us for the main episode. Um, we let him go as kind of as has become our custom, but uh, mm-hmm. go check out his stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he he is great, and the uh, I was really happy to have him yeah. make some time and, and chat with us about an area that... Uh, didn't don't particularly care for um before we move on to follow-up uh, we have some couple things we want to say uh just about follow-up and uh contact and feedback in general right so when you when you do uh do a show like this and the show is growing and getting more listeners um we get all you know we reach more people we get more feedback um we're working on getting better about responding to feedback uh in general but there's also something to be said for clarifying a policy and kind of uh making ourselves clear with what we're going to engage with and truck mm-hmm. uh, kind of. Um, so one, you know, most of the feedback we received has been positive and the stuff that hasn't been positive has been constructive. Uh, that's good. Yes. And we like that. Um, but the two things I want to uh, kind of make clear, I've said this a bunch on the show, but in case it is not clear, um, I do feel like the season we've had some different approaches Uh to the material and kind of covering lore and making suppositions, uh, to my mind, and I've said this a lot, but I don't know if it's necessarily registering, mm-hmm. um, to me, and you can disagree with this, but to me, that is a result of the game. Yeah. Um, the work is not supporting the structure we usually take right. for it. It's the, the 40, 90% cha- problem I keep talking about where some things are just not finished. Uh, see last episode. Um, you know, and there's not like, yes, there are people who are on YouTube who are like making these like really guessy mm-hmm. uh, kind of things, but I need a seed bed to go from <laughs> like, I like making guesses, but they can't just be absolutely out of left field. Yeah. That's not fun for me. I'm never going to really do that. And, um, and you can only throw in so many caveats that, Hey, this is a guess. Hey, this is supposition before it starts becoming white noise and starts undermining the stuff that you're kind of certain about it. It, right. it, it kind of becomes, you know, a little tiresome to take the material that's kind of given here and on the page and try to address it with, you know, what we have kind of become accustomed to, you know, being just like a little bit more certain than we have been able to be. And and it's not uh, as people who look at media uh, professionally, like it is not our job to make guesses until the, the work itself makes sense. Right. Like it's it's not our job to fill in all of the cracks. Like, you know, the Souls games have always ask us to kind of meet a little bit more than, you know, meet them halfway, but we don't need to meet them 70% of the way, mm. which is a lot of the stuff I see. I'm not throwing shade at specific people, but I am 
addressing people who want more of that from us. I don't mm -hmm. think it's going to happen. Right. So you may not agree with that, which is fine. Like as far as you don't agree with that's what Dark Souls 3 is like um, or not want that to be the direction for the show. But I'm stating as kind of a that is what we're that's where we're coming from. Right. So it's not arbitrary. It's not we're not making it up as we go along. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of thing one. Yeah, uh, they want to bring up. But we are making uh, a good faith effort to address the work as it exists in front of us and as we kind of perceive it and work through it. Yes. And we have always made mistakes, even when we are when I feel like the work supports more kind of leaps of intuition uh, to things like that. So kind of segueing into the second point I want to make, if there's something that you know that we don't, uh, that is why we have these episodes. So feel free to send in like, hey, you guys thought this like you guys said something like this didn't make sense. What about this? Throw in a link. Yeah happy to watch it. It doesn't mean I'll necessarily agree and say that paper's over the question, but I want that. Uh, but um, be respectful or we are not going to engage with you. Yeah. Uh, you know, we don't get a lot of that. Um, we get some of it. We're sensitive boys. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so it is. Uh, and the way to deal with that conventional wisdom and, you know, it, it, the, the way to deal with that, there's not really different ways to deal with it is to ignore it. Right. That's difficult for us, but we're drawing a line in the sand that non-actionable kind of just shitty drive-by feedback that is like, you know, the equivalent of, you know, the the guy throwing the beer can at John Malkovich's head <laughs> uh, on the turnpike. Like when that stuff happens, we are not engaging. Yeah. Uh, your emails will be deleted. Your comments will be deleted. Like we're just not dealing with it. You will be blocked from the Facebook page. Don't be a dick. Yep. Uh, I have zero tolerance policy now. Yep. So no more. Yeah, and uh, you know there, there there are a couple of avenues right now where certain kinds of uh, feedback can kind of get in. Um, you know where we're seeing just a little bit more, and you know you're, you're going to see kind of like places like that kind of change in those policies on uh, different kinds of social media uh, kind of change as well. Just so you know, just so we can try and you know foster the kind of really constructive like things that will actually help improve our understanding of this. Um, you know, kind of thrive. Yes, uh, and the difference is, I mean, we've always kind of done this, but like I've talked about it a lot on social media, but I have a pathologic desire to be understood by people. Mm -hmm. And when somebody is just being a dick, rather than assuming that people are mean, I tend to assume they don't understand. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but to give it a really clear example of the kind of uh, stuff that you know, I'm not going to tolerate anymore is uh, there's somebody who listened to the show who had a problem with a vocal tick uh, that we have that after it was kind of addressed, like he brought it up respectfully and I responded, continued to bring it up uh, every episode. So more or less once a week, I had to hear from this guy complaining about this. Um, who And I don't know, like I spent, I don't know, like four weeks and who knows how many units of misery <laughs> just being like frustrated and, and, and yeah. by, by this. And what I, should, what I eventually did, what I should have just done in the first place was just kick him off the Facebook page. Uh, so I'm going to be more liberal with that stuff if you're being a dick. Don't be dicks. We're people too. We're trying our best. Yeah. Uh, if you don't have it in your heart to have that basic level of empathy for people who create stuff, mm -hmm. then this is not the podcast for you. Right. Um, that's important and... to me as a value, uh, mm -hmm. as a creator and as somebody who interacts with other people who make stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I would, that's what, that's the kind that's the audience we want, mm -hmm. uh, you know, not to make it that prescriptive, you know, listen if you want to, but like, God, like I don't want to, I'm not going to entertain you if you're not going to treat me like a person. <laughs> I don't need to do that. Yep. And, uh, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, not very much to ask if it, it, it feels like it feels like, yeah. 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 I don't um, think so either. Just like, you know, don't just, just mm -hmm. be, be courteous. Yeah. Um, however, uh, and then I guess this isn't a third point, but just kind of a caveat to that. 
this isn't us saying, hey, don't criticize us. No. So this, we this will is... occasionally get like questions that are critical, but they're posed respectfully. Mm -hmm. And that's great. Yep. Like I want to be challenged on shit. Just don't be a mm -hmm. dickhead about it. Yeah. Um, this yeah. is a conversation. You know, it's a conversation that we're managing, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. but it's a conversation nonetheless. And, this, you know, the same way you manage a conversation with anybody, like you can walk away mm -hmm. uh, from somebody if they're being a jerk, like. That's yeah. what that that blocking thing is. So um, this is a good example. And um, the reason why I bring this up is just because this is a, a critical comment or a challenging comment uh, that is not personal and is not dismissive and shitty. Right. Um, so in the kind of follow up, do we have anything to add about that policy wise before we actually get into it? No, I don't think so. I think that, uh, you know, just like the pathological desire to be understood, uh, this whole thing right here is in some ways um, kind of a, a an effort to build an understanding about this series that we hold genuine affection for, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, when, when anger gets kind of introduced towards this and kind of like levy directly at us for some kind of perceived authority that we are kind of, uh, when I say perceived, that, that we are perceived to um, kind of aspire to or think that we have, um, that kind of muddies the water and kind of stops the conversation from happening and stops that kind of march toward, you know, understanding this thing. And so I think that the ideal form of all of this is if there is something wrong, if there's something missed, if there's an oversight, if there's a, you know, if, the, if there's a, you know, a, a place where our approach falls short, you know, look at what you're writing and say, does this actually help us, you know, as people who make and listen this listen to this show and make content about this thing, does it increase the understanding? And I think that yeah. if it passes that limit, that limits test, I think everything is going to be fine. Like we, we want you on our side with this <laughs> stuff because we want, you know, if there's stuff that you, this, I said in the last episode and it wasn't planned for this, but like understanding these games to my mind has always been a collaborative thing. Yeah. Right. Like it is a community effort uh, to understand them. And you guys are part of the community. We're part of the community. Uh, we want that. That doesn't mean that everything, you know, the, it's just a corrections column. And if you say like, hey, here's a link to this Reddit guy who says this it doesn't necessarily mean that, like, I'm going to buy it, mm -hmm. but I want to read it if I haven't read it. Mm -hmm. um, and I want you to we have these so you can be heard. Like this is a place we have half of our sh episodes are dedicated to other people being able to express their opinion about the thing. Right. You know, so if it's like you disagree with it, you disagree about one of these points, write that in, but just don't make it personal mm -hmm. and shitty. Yeah. You know, like there's a, I want to hear those perspectives. I want everyone who I disagree with to be articulate and to understand them. Yeah. You know? So I feel self-conscious about doing this two extrasodes in a row. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those things that there's something weird about the summer um, yeah. in terms of in terms of like, you know, when a game releases in the spring and everything just kind of settles down, like it's it's kind of always been as bad as it's going to be about this time. And the kind of the nature of this and the nature of our, you know, relationship to kind of what comes in changes and evolves with every season, just as every season, you know, changes um, I'm not going to say it evolves, but turn, you know, turn, turn. Yep, exactly. Um, and so, you know, like we're just right now at this point where it feels worth addressing and making a statement to make sure again, that we are understood as well. Yes. Yeah. Because I don't want anyone when we block the first person on Facebook, who's a dickhead to just be like, I had no idea this was coming. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is, you know, it's, if you're being a dick, it's coming. Just don't do that. Um, so here's, here's good. Uh, here's reasonable feedback. Uh, John says via contact. Um, anyway, I noticed how people were lamenting that the Cathedral of the Deep was the end of a branch and it didn't tell you where to go next. I didn't have that problem because of Dark Souls 1. 
Dark Souls 1 world design was so convoluted that I had to look up a Let's Play to know where to go next. Not just one instance, like people described in the appendix. Um, I did it almost every time, especially before Anne Orlando. The NPCs in Dark Souls 1 told you uh, what you had to find, but they didn't give you a clear direction. I think Dark Souls 3 gave you directions much better. For example, there is a whole section uh, of Dark Root that leads nowhere, uh, the section with the manta ray enemies. Um, I find it fascinating that people are complaining about Dark Souls 3 world design uh, and not telling you where to go, and also not criticizing Dark Souls 1 with the same brush. And that's not, and that's not directly criticism of us, but that is an opinion we hold and yeah. uh, kind of supported yeah. throughout. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I want to kind of just uh, reiterate what I feel, which is like, I kind of like the world design in Dark Souls 3. It's just what they, the, 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 the decisions that they made resulted in dead ends, you know, that, you know, are kind of terminuses as opposed to dead ends that kind of like push you back towards something that already was kind of, you know, described and... Um, shown to you to be kind of this twisted labyrinth maze you have paths that imply direction and send you you know further out and so dark souls one getting lost in dark souls one and getting lost in dark souls three it was a different kind of being lost in in, mm. in 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 my head i don't know if i can quantify it more than just by saying like you know by by leading on what was communicated by by the world design yeah, I, I think the reason why it stands out in Dark Souls, so there are in Dark Souls One, um, there are a couple of those dead ends like Manta, Manta Town, hmm. um, in Dark Root. Even though you can go from Manta Town, I believe, um, if you have the the you can you can actually fall down if you have fall control, um, from there, I believe. That, I'm not totally sure. A, I think that there might be a ladder there. It's been a very long time since yeah, I've done it. Yeah, it's been a while since I played it. So, um, yeah. but I, I believe it's not. Qu- technically yeah. a dead end even if it kind of is though yeah. that feels like a branch off from the level yeah like i'm not against dead ends in general but in dark souls one it's pretty rare that an actual level other than the four spokes in the second half actually is a dead end mm-hmm. um the all of dark souls 3 is structured like dark souls 1 mm-hmm. uh the second half of dark souls 1 where there are when there are dead ends so when you have your cathedral of the deep you have your profaned capital um they kind of go off from the main the main branch what I'm missing is that first half of Dark Souls one that just sounds like you didn't have a good time with, yeah. uh, which is fine. Like it, it didn't make mm-hmm. sense to you. It didn't, it didn't make sense yeah. to you. And in, in that same, um, in that same area that you're talking about, like, you know, there, there was a time when I just like, okay, so I fought the moonlight butterfly. Is there something in this garden that I'm missing? Yeah. Like, what the, what the hell do I do now? Yeah. Um, but then because of the way it was laid out, I would think, oh, there was that other actual, that other room I didn't go into, you know, oh, wait, that, that bonfire by the, uh, by the parish, there was that gate. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end, I wonder what opens that there was the, there's just like enough hinting of the periphery to know that there were areas I could check. Mm-hmm. Um, it also and and we're hardly alone in loving this, but like you get those parish elevator down to Firelink moments. Mm-hmm. It was really empowering, like, oh, hey, this world is small and I have control over it moments, which don't happen in a linear kind of design like this or a branch like design mm-hmm. like this. Like it's not because and part of that's warping bonfires, you know, so getting like having the end of the cathedral of the deep actually loop back to something earlier, mm-hmm. um, wouldn't accomplish anything because there's no reason to loop back because you can teleport. Right. You know, but that's, I think that's what we're missing as far as things we like. I didn't have that. I just didn't have the same experience of being like, I don't know what to do, mm-hmm. uh, very often. It happened sometimes, but it was rarer. And I was usually patient with it. Uh, partly because, uh, probably because of that lack of teleporting, like, I had kind of cut my way through this and had that sense of mastery. Like it felt good to be like, this is, this is my dark route. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to go back and see 
check out these other paths in it because I can do this, you know? And I, I can't also can't remove it from the fact that it was my first in the series. So that might have something to do with it too. You know, mm-hmm. I could be biased because of that. Yeah. I mean, so uh, just need more information on, on that front, but yeah, like the, 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 this, this is a totally valid thing to like call out, right. That, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the same thing popped up in a different flavor somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool. Thank you, John, for, uh, for, yeah. for, for calling that out. Um, Thanks, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jacob writes in uh, with more follow up here. Again, this kind of follow up errata mentioning things that we have uh, kind of uh, mentioned in the past. Um, I have heard you guys bring this up a few times um, that it was weird that the Silver Knights were back in Anor Londo in Dark Souls 3 when they were illusions in Dark Souls 1. And I think Richard Pillbeam in the former episode brought some doubt whether or not they were actually illusions. So, so I went back and checked. And most Silver Knights are still there after you've killed Gwendolyn and Guinevere um, and gotten a dark Anne Orlando. The ones that seemed to not be there, uh, sorry, the one that seemed to not be there uh, is the archer in the main hall, but not, uh, sorry, but all of the normal Silver Knights inside are still present. I checked the infamous Silver Knight archers outside, and they are uh, also still there in Dark Anne Orlando. So the only one I can verify not being there is the archer in the main hall. And that might just be because the area got changed the most. It was, sorry, that that was the area that was changed the most by the transition to Dark Anne Orlando. They removed the giant knights and added the Dark Moon enemies. So it might just be that they removed the Silver Knight for the heck of it, too. Hmm. Yep. That's good to know. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll eat some crow on that. I think that the one in the hall is the one that I usually pass on my way to to Gwendolyn. Um, I didn't have a lot of reason to kind of ex- backtrack through areas mm-hmm. there. So the one that is missing, like I noticed to be missing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. That, is, that is good to know. Yeah. Um, and yeah. makes, makes something make a lot of sense. Yeah. More and, sense. and to speak for myself, it's been a very long time since I've seen dark in Orlando. Um, yeah. and you know, you know how memories turn into, uh, turn into facts, right? Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, yeah, which is, which is kind of interesting. Um, it does the one that disappears. I wish that hadn't happened, you know, because it did. It does make me a little confused. Like it's confusing. That that is the reason why I thought they disappeared. Mm-hmm. Is because of the one that the one yeah. that did. And but, also, um, it can it communicates an idea that's so cool that you want it to be true. That's true too. <laughs> like uh, the idea of like the it being again just uh, empty spaces. Yeah. Uh, really, really liking that. But it's good to know. So thank you, uh, thank you, Jacob. Mm-hmm. And uh, cheerfully re- retracted uh, <laughs> some of my outrage about them being illusions. Yeah. Most of my outrage <laughs> of them being uh, being illusions. Yeah. Um, so moving on to responses uh, about the demon ruins and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sandal says via contact. My absolute favorite memory in Dark Souls 3 came in this area when I came across the stray demon. After dying to him many times, I saw the chest across the gap and decided to make a bold run for it. To my horror, I was instantly eaten by that fucking mimic. Uh, Clinging to a sliver of health, I sprinted back to safety. While I pondered my next move, I noticed the health bars drastically dropping. I inched back into the room to investigate and let out a hearty laugh as I saw the mimic and the demon beating the absolute shit out of each other. I sat on the sidelines, amazed at the damage the mimic was doing to this monstrosity, and damn near cheered when the demon finally vanquished its wooden foe, but with only a tiny speck of health left. One well-placed arrow was all it took for me to finish him off and swoop in, collecting the spoils of a battle not fought. Not sure if everyone knew about this cheese strategy, but it's effective and hilarious. Yeah. Um, it's so effective and so hilarious, and uh, just uh, it seems like it was designed. It doesn't feel like a cheese strategy at all, actually. Yeah. 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 It's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Like, it is is super fun. We can do—we didn't really talk about it, but in the main episode, you can lead that Black Knight 
kind of through the hallways and, and set up some more fights. Oh, really? Um, yeah, he'll <laughs> fight other demons outside of that room. The reason why I didn't bring it up is it's not as useful as maybe it could be or as I mm -hmm. want it to be. Yeah. Um, because you're being hit by ranged things. Oh, shit, yeah. So you have to kind of close the distance between you and the uh, the fire snipers mm -hmm. to, uh, to get the Black Knight to aggro. And the Black Knight just aggros to whatever is closest to it. So you have to really engineer situations to make yeah. it work. Yeah. But um, yeah, we, we, we mentioned that in the episode. I included this just to, you know, just in case it didn't show up or just in case we needed evidence that it happened mm -hmm. because, you know, both times that it happened, I kind of couldn't believe it was a thing. Yeah, it's, it's real, <laughs> real fantastic. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, Luke writes it. The main thing I have to say about Smoldering Lake could easily also apply to Ash Lake. But I, uh, sorry, but I wasn't here for that season. Um, a relatively recent listener here. Um, thanks to your show, I picked up a big Necronomicon. And as well as all of the stories you've mentioned, I've read through the whole, a whole bunch of other H.P. Lovecraft short stories. One of them was The Outsider. In this story, the character lives in a castle surrounded by trees, which are taller than all but the highest tower, whose canopies blot out the sun. Eventually, he climbs the one tower which reaches through the trees and finds out, I'm sorry, and finds our world at the top and is unable to return. Our whole world is presumably built atop this world of arch trees, much like the world of Dark Souls 1. Um, sorry, much like the world of Dark Souls. I wonder if this image stuck in Miyazaki's mind and helped inspire this element of the games. P.S. Am I the only one who kind of thought that I'd get a little turret section once I climbed that, <laughs> climbed up to that ballista? <laughs> Man, what would that be like? <laughs> Just a cra crab shooter 2000? Techcom online. <laughs> um that'd be amazing yeah i didn't um, draw the connection between out the outsider and this mostly because when i think of the outsider i think of castle freak yeah yeah i, th I mean i think of the end of the outsider more than the uh the trees part but that's interesting mm -hmm. um and i think by necronomicon i think he just means like a compilation i yeah. think there's one called that but there's also a book called necronomicon that was written by some yahoos that is like <laughs> a fake history of the necronomicon huh. um that is uh the, on the um hp podcraft uh literary hp lovecraft literary podcast thing they tell a charming story of like them working in a library and seeing that book the the book called necronomicon uh -huh. in the rare book section and being like <laughs> holy shit you know they, they were in college and like we're way way into it and then found out that it's just like a pretty garbagey horror book um yeah. you know. but um yeah that's that's interesting i didn't make that connection but uh that's that's pretty cool yeah. i do not know if miyazaki was inspired by that i think the idea of world trees um are kind of ubiquitous yeah it's like a um, so Nor norse thing also yeah. uh that idea is present in uh, nausicaa in the valley of the wind oh sure yeah yeah that uh and that that's more because they're kind of more visual uh signposts there mm -hmm. i think um yeah but thank you very much uh boaz or bose uh says via contact I've been an unabashed pyromancy nerd ever since I met Laurentius. So when I saw the Demon Ruins title card pop up, I was excited. The Demon Ruins and Lost Isolith had a lot of potential that I think got squandered. And I was hyped to see the Ashen slash Ember version of that sprawling architecture and revisit the site of the Birth of Chaos. And then I ran around a bunch of hallways. At least those weird casters are kind of tactically interesting. But I'm here to talk about pyromancy. The way it's worked uh, has shifted over the games, and this is the first game that gave it uh, stat requirements. It's one of those changes you just ascribe to the abstraction of games, like why you can't upgrade armor anymore. But then you get to the Chaos Pyromancies and the Demon Ruins, and they're unique in having no stat requirements. I think it speaks to their primal nature as, as the start of Pyromancy, because these are the first Pyromancies. They still work like they did in Dark Souls. Does that mean that as the Age of Fire gets weaker and weaker, Pyromancy has grown, grown harder to enact? I like that. 
Yeah, that, that's great. Yeah. Good response. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, In the deleted, uh, there's a cut content page on the wiki um, for this where there used to be versions of Pyromancer Flames that were like Dark or Hollow ones, like in Dark Souls 2. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be that kind of explicitly like tools to cast this kind of version of it that is dying or goes along with the dying world mm -hmm. was originally in it. And they cut those out instead of doing this, uh, this kind of version. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as the, I like the idea. Um, I like that idea quite a lot. Yeah. Like skill as discipline and this in the kind of like short circuit side and gets around it. Yeah. It's a, it's, Which is it's always, a, yeah. Always been, always been the thing. Yeah. That, that's a good, that's a great observation. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's cool. a, it's a great uh, melding of play and story. Mm -hmm. Agreed. <laughs> Um, Andy writes via contact. This was from software's chance to atone for Dark Souls' worst area. Then I was immediately reminded that the series' worst area was actually the Chalice Dungeons, a maze of mm -hmm. interconnected, identically ugly-looking areas uh, that were incredibly disorienting. Um, there weren't even any dragon butts. I spent forever here getting lost over and over again. Finding Quelag, or her sister, was fun, I suppose, in that uh, it actually made sense for her to be here. But everything else was actually worse than original flavor demon ruins. At least that place had brevity on its side. I finally found my way out and spotted the wheelie skeleton things. Who doesn't love those guys? Getting up to the top, you realize there's nothing up there. What an anti-climax. You turn off the ballista thing, which is unattended, so it must so it must home in on you through some sorcery or something, um, and you're done. Uh, it just go it just gives you an easier means to uh, to collect those items that you already got. Finally, the boss, which I found to be incredibly frustrating until I realized that I could just hang back and cheese him with arrows endlessly. I feel like I spent half the game doing this. All in all, this area was a colossal waste of time. I don't disagree. <laughs> I, I don't think the game would not have lost anything without this being here. I would not have walked around the whole time and been like, where are the demons? <laughs> um, I would have been okay with that yeah. one that we found on, you know, with on the bridge that had the, the soul about them all dying. Like, yeah, that would have been pretty great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, it doesn't feel like missing information to me. It, I could be wrong about this. It doesn't feel like someone's going to discover something that recontextualizes us to make it good. Yeah. Um, maybe that's the case, but it doesn't feel like there's dots left to connect to me. Yeah. And based on what we've seen from the first piece of DLC, at least that one doesn't appear to be, um, you know, adjacent to this. No, we should at the end of these responses, we should talk about that trailer a little bit. Yes, we it's should. It's been, been requested. Mm -hmm. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that in case people are wondering. Uh, and we can talk about uh, people, quote unquote, figuring out poison to you. Uh, a couple <laughs> things that people have requested. Yes. Um, just uh, as a note, um, the contact form is a great place for that. Yes. If there's something where it's like you guys just want us to talk about something, it doesn't always have to be your responses. You could say like, "What do you think of this?" Yeah, and uh, we'll answer it. Yeah, so. um, yeah. I do a uh, I do a cursory sweep of uh, the other social media stuff, but like that just so gets lost in the in the in the deluge. Yeah. Whereas yeah. when I'm preparing the notes for each episode, like that email um, is where I go. Contact so, is king. Yep, contact is yeah. king. Um, Brian says by contact. Smoldering Lake's strength is its remoteness. You really feel as though you're in an Ash Lake type setting, far removed from the rest of the world map, especially because of the backwards way you get there. I like the idea of finding a vast cavern miles below the surface filled with fossilized remnants of past cycles. But I do wonder if from out of this area solely to finalize Henri and Horace's quest, like how they phoned in Isolith in order to surround a Lord Soul with something more than just a fog door. Which leads me to the second half, Demon Ruins. Why? Why call it that? Everything here is optional, unlike in Orlando. Like a few other places, I have no idea why the enemies here should populate this place, and I wish they did more with Quelag's sister other than put an item in front of her. Ultimately, I feel like we just end up 
with the uh, third lava area failure in the trilogy. Los Isolith was a giant nothing with dinosaur butts, and Iron Keep had too many switches and Elevator Gate, and Smoldering Lake is a fun concept, but Demon Ruins is a bad execution on a weak premise. Uh, need a place to store all the pyromancy shit. <laughs> Sever the callback albatross, and these areas would serve the game better as idiosyncratic locales rather than near-meaningless slogs that they are. Something yeah. that we didn't point out explicitly um, in the main episode, but it feels like it bears mentioning, is that the Demon Ruins doesn't actually get a title card. Um, mm. it, it's only called that um, in the uh, bonfire name. Yes. at the uh, yeah. Kind of at the front door there. So... I don't know. <laughs> it just seems like such a half-hearted kind of a uh, kind of inclusion or nod. Yeah. Uh, another thing that we didn't mention in the main episode that this uh, that Brian brings up is that this could be the first time you get the explicit other area thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't say Demon Ruins. The title card doesn't pop up, but it says it on the bonfires. You could get to this very easily before you get to and Orlando yeah, and, I and did. have like, yeah, I'd have the <laughs> shitty version of this reveal rather than the good version of it. Right. So not only is it like, it's subtractive. Mm-hmm. Like that's the, that's the key word for, for this whole area. <laughs> I remember. Oh my gosh. So when, when the game comes out and we're kind of exchanging our texts back and forth, we're, we're kind of like uh, oblique. Like we, we wait for the other one to bring something up before we kind of try and spoil it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I'd gotten to the smoldering late before you did. Um, and so I'm down here and I was like, oh, well, I guess there's really nothing there. Fuck. And then, um, like later on you said, Hey, uh, there's something below Carthus. And if you go down there, it's going to be real special. So I thought, oh, there must've been something that I missed. And then you said, well, the floor needs to break. And I was like, oh, wait, is there going to be something crazy down there? Like, cause I didn't know about the floor breaking. It didn't happen for me. And so I found that spot. And then when I dropped into the same place, I had already <laughs> explored. Oh. <laughs> it was so heartbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that you had gotten past or hadn't, you know, just had done the lake. Yep. Nope. Because I, for the long, uh, for my first time down there, when I fell through the, um, you know, fell through the floor, I didn't know there was another way down there, mm-hmm. you know, because it would make sense for it to be like a level that kind of goes uh, in a line and doesn't have the boss right at the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, so I didn't, did not quite know that. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. No, I got, I, I'd gotten in the other way, was not aware of the floor breaking and uh, you got my hopes up, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> get fucked. <laughs> I, I'd do it again if I could. The um, I I didn't. Uh, how much I hated this did not come through actually until I played it a second time, hmm. because my first build was pretty good for it. Uh, my first kind of strength build. I was doing a lot of damage at this point. It's only on going through the second time with my dex build and this third time with uh, my dead luck build. <laughs> um, did this ever? Did this become quite as like shitty as it as it is? Right. So, um, if you're really overpowered in general, you can remain overpowered here. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. man, I, I resented playing this today. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, uh, I didn't actually do everything in it this third time around. Mm. Like I, I just, I had this intense feeling of like, Hey, I don't really want to do this anymore. <laughs> like I went and bought, bought the boss. So at least then it's kind of nice. Like I can just go fight the boss and refresh my memory on that without doing everything. Right. But I walked around and did some of the stuff, but then just died to turrets mm-hmm. and decided to quit. Yeah. Like I've done it twice. Twice is enough. <laughs> you know, twice is one time more than enough, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Doug says via contact. Uh, it seems to me that the lake is a dead end within a dead end. First, there is no reason to go through the demon ruins at all, except for to shut off the death from above machine. 
The ruins themselves feel like a slightly more fiery version of the Catacombs of Carthus, and we already encountered Death from Above arrows in the Undead Settlement. There isn't even a boss for the ruins, so the feeling of been there, done that is all the more depressing when there isn't an interesting reward like a meaty NPC quest or a story revelation or a fun boss fight. To top it all off, the whole area is hidden to begin with, but if a place is secret, the reward for finding it should be commensurate with the difficulty in uncovering it. I think this speaks to an overall weakness in the world design of Dark Souls 3. For example, Dark Souls 1 is more interlocked, uh, avoiding dead ends like this. Bloodborne was mostly interlocked, but if there were dead ends, uh, for example, Kanehurst, Hemwick, Bergenworth, etc., uh, those all had stunning set pieces, lore significance, and or highly useful items at the end of those paths, not to mention that all of them were more fun in their moment-to-moment -moment gameplay. Since I'm sure the consensus among responses is going to be negative towards this area, I'm curious as to what you think could have improved it. At a minimum, I would have uh, put the boss at the end of the ruins instead of behind the sandworm, uh, which would give some feeling of climax to the area instead of simply finding an off switch. Yep, that would, um, I mean, so if everything was still the same, that would just kind of mandate going through the demon ruins if you were not interested in getting those items, which would mm -hmm. be a little bit of a bummer. Um, however, that would help with the pacing problem. Yeah. You know, or at least the, not pacing, sequencing. You would still have that kind of like saggy middle part. Um, fewer enemies, like really lean into the uh, the fact that this is like the dying vestige of this thing that was, uh, that was you know, incredibly important long, long ago. Yeah. I mean, something something that the the game needs desperately more of anyway is that uh, desolation and despair and, and quietness. Mm -hmm. And there's just so little of it. You know, this would have been a great opportunity to do it. I would have loved this area. Mm -hmm. Like if they're like, again, a no enemy version of it. This would have been such a different episode. Mm -hmm. You know, it just would have been soaking up that atmosphere and the quiet tragedy of these people rather than fighting transplants from an abyss tinged <laughs> area that like five episodes ago. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Luke writes via contact here. Uh, the demon ruins are the worst. They're pointless, a mess, and not even uh, unfinished enough to to read as meta commentary on the first game's branch. Um, they deserve all your scorn, but I still have a certain fondness for them based solely on exploring the area for the first time. Before you know it, uh, before you know that this is an ellipse of an area, uh, this seems pretty exciting. Um, as a hidden zone, it, it becomes imbued with a little extra wonder, which only exacerbates the hat trick of set pieces it opens with. The four-way ruckus between me, a massive demon, a mimic, and a stoic army of skeletons. Uh, the massive space, the majestic pillars, and bolts bigger than the Black Knights harrying you into, <laughs> into a Tremors encounter that would make Kevin Bacon shake. Um, hmm. That is a fun sentence. Um, it's a Dark Souls reference, but it has the epic scale of Demon Souls. Sure, you don't uh, you don't really get to fight the worm, although I tried many, many, many times to. Um, and the siege weapon is per as protecting nothing of interest, but you don't know that yet. If you come here bef before the Boreal Valley, you also don't know yet that the game is going to make literal some of the callbacks to previous games. Finding the demon ruins full of copy-pasted Capra corpses was my M. Night Shyamalan jaw-drop moment. Uh, later, you realize that they also just copy-pasted the layout of the Catacombs of Carthus, uh, but, there is a, uh, but there is exploring to be done before then. Um, I would argue that the ruins are the most non-linear <laughs> non area in the game. Uh, there are so many little paths and hidden rooms to explore, and each feels as if it could contain something momentous. Mostly they don't, give or take a braid or book, uh, or a book from the Chaos Birds, uh, but I was giddy exploring them in a way that I wasn't in most of the other prescribed areas. 
One of the unheralded boons of a linear level is the fact that it actually leads somewhere, uh, which the demon ruins in Smoldering Lake don't. The boss is basically a uh, vestigial, and at best the path will loop you back to where you began, uh, but mostly they just fizzle out. Um, I spent quite a while trying to figure out which item I uh, had to bring to the statue near the final bonfire or what pose I had to take uh, uh, near the petrified spider to Uh. open the door uh, to the true climax of the area. But that catharsis obviously never came. DLC? No. That's not me editorializing. He actually said DLC. No. Um, (laughs) The hollow feeling uh, this left uh, definitely sours my opinion of the area. But once upon a time, for a little while at least, it really worked for me. This is maybe a case where knowledge condenses not only space, but satisfaction. Mm. It's an expectation they evoke, you know? Yeah. Like they, they build that directly into every part of this. Yeah, that's depressing. The idea of you trying the uh, the gestures in front of that statue is very depressing to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I don't have much to add. That's well said. Uh, and even when you, you know, I wasn't, I'm not, in retrospect, not super into it at the time, but obviously, as Cold mentioned last time, at some point I was more into it than I am now. <laughs> so I was, you know, kind of excited about it, even if again, just didn't add up to anything. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's that's a theme. Yeah, you know, gotta add up to something. <laughs> um, yeah, bummer. Uh, Joseph says by contact. I don't know which idea is worse. Solaris soup or that Solaris the worm. <laughs> um, I guess either way, I don't really care. I didn't know this area got so much hate. When I came here, I was overly excited to have found a secret area. I also beelined it to the fog wall, somehow dodging both the giant worm and the ballista, both Demon Souls references that made me smile a bit. The old Demon King wasn't too bad of a boss either, kind of a sif thing with him becoming so weak and immobile at the end. Although Demon King lacked any of the pathos or grace that sif had, I thought it was neat to see all the dead demons around the arena after slaughtering my prey. After beating the boss, I explored the area out of curiosity. The enemies wouldn't give me uh, too much trouble, uh, at least until I got to the asshole with the fume sword. I didn't know this at the time, but if you throw an alluring skull into the lava, his dumb ass will chase after it like some football jock chasing after the acceptance of his peers. <laughs> burn. <laughs> um, burn. <laughs> Popular. Um, yeah. As, har- uh, as far as optional areas go, not the best. This isn't even slightly compared to the painted world or the upper cathedral. I guess that makes it the most forgettable area in the game. Yeah. 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 Talk, um, talk about only having a category in common. Like <laughs> the only yeah, thing this yeah. has in common with, with either of those is like that. You don't have to do them. Yeah. The, um, yeah. So the, uh, got optional areas in this <laughs> game. Like, you know, there's three of them really. And one of them is, I love it because it's so, so weird. Mm-hmm. And then there's one that I think is medium. And then there's this one, but I think this is the worst optional area in, in souls. Yeah. Um, by, by quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I also was not expecting, I didn't come into this thinking like, Oh, cool. Painted world, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't have anything to add. But, uh, that, 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 that all makes sense to me. Um, yeah. And then finally, um, lest you think that I am cherry-picking just the responses that support our own, we have a, a dissenting opinion. Michael says, mm-hmm. okay, I'll be the, uh, the dissenting voice and defend this area. I really love the look of it, as if someone tipped over Lost Isolith and poured it into Ash Lake, then filled it with skeletons and lava crabs. 
I like how the tactics of fights in the area work out, with the Grus working to defend tight hallways with poison-tipped spears and poison gas clouds uh, on the inside and a giant ballista and sandworm making the wide-open area outside seem even more claustrophobic and dangerous. Yes, I'll admit the, in the interiors get far too repetitive and chalice dungeony, and some of the callbacks seem cheap, but my good feelings, uh, uh, but my feelings of goodwill, rather, uh, for the area are cemented by the boss. In classic Dark Souls fashion, the old Demon King's bark is worse than his bite as his attacks are all easily dodgeable, but that ties into the thematic stuff that I like about him as a character. Um, when I got to the end of the fight and saw him do his last desperate attacks as his fire went out, I realized that he wasn't a fearsome flame monarch, but a tired old man, leaning on his staff as if it were a walking stick. The Doom Reject turned out to be an angry, sad old coot who wanted me off of his fire lawn. Um, and I really like that uh, Dark Souls 3 made me pity the last boss I would have thought would provoke pity. Yeah, I, I think I that didn't quite work for me, but I know that's the part of it that worked was that. right? Mm -hmm. Like in the episode, we talked about how that part is good. I think that for that to work, he should have been like more pathetic, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit. Like he's still, it's not... He's a medium boss to me. He's not the mm -hmm. easiest boss. He's not the hardest. But if he's literally supposed to be on his last legs, you know, because Sif isn't supposed to be on his last legs. You just beat Sif down. Right. This should be like, again, like False King Alant or like... A mercy killing. Yeah. Yeah, like Gwen. Mm -hmm. You know, this should be like you're fighting somebody who is literally weakened. Mm -hmm. And I bet you in the first phase of this fight, this is what the Demon King was like. Mm -hmm. You know, is what it feels like. Yeah. 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 And so <laughs> what's funny about this is um, Michael kind of came in like gunning and saying like, wait, guys, no, like he, he knew what it was going to be. And, mm. you know, this is something that was kind of brought up on some other podcasts here that I'm, I am I forget what it was. Maybe it was like Idle Thumbs or maybe Video Games Hot Dogs, something like that, where it's like it's super weird how we just live in a time where we just can't avoid knowing what everybody else thinks about a thing that we are consuming or care about or look at. And mm. so like we're kind of unmoored from those times where we could just play something and experience it as its thing. Like, you know, especially with a souls game, you know, as much as I try and come into it clean, as much as I try and look at it in, you know, a relative vacuum and focus on the work itself, you know, I think we're all carrying around a little bit of the weight of, you know, the kind of the popular opinion or just kind of like the direction that the wind is blowing, right. The narrative as I've called it in the past. That's a, it's, it's, it's strange. I don't know that I really have a point. It's just something that I've been reflecting on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's straight. I feel like I'm pretty successful at it with souls for my first run through mm -hmm. of it. You know, it's like, I can get through it and have, have kind of a, an, an opinion that is based. That is the closest thing to pure mm -hmm. as you can get from it. But that's the only series I do it. And it requires a remarkable amount of effort <laughs> to do so. Yeah. You know, everything else I do have that kind of in my head, I guess like, where it becomes an interesting question is like what effect that has and whether it actually influences your opinion, mm -hmm. you know, because we, we, when people get mad at us for liking dark souls too, one of the things they, you know, I brought up before is like, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. There probably is some like defensive flexing, you know, if like every single person is saying something negative that you disagree with, it's going to, I don't know if it actually changes your opinions to be more in favor of it. Mm -hmm. um, the more charitable way to think about it is that it galvanizes you to think harder and be more articulate about how you feel about it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's the thing that I like about that aspect of things. Mm -hmm. You know, like I think knowing the kind of popular opinion about something can be a really good thing if it causes you to think about it more. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that uh, 
I like to think that that's something that I I'm able to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, at its worst that just, you know, is it manifests as like kind of stubborn, unthinking, like digging into a position at Mm. its best. It's kind of like a thoughtful, like moving closer to something and, you know, coming back to it, being able to answer the questions that are raised, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you can't, you, when you say digging in opposition, like you can't really convince somebody about media. Oh no, no. Like that's not, that's not a thing that, you know, people get convinced about like seemingly nothing, (laughs) but like people, people get convinced about, uh, issues other than just like whether they liked a movie or not yeah. people get convinced you know? about where to go uh go, go at lunch yeah exactly like it's it, different kinds of situations i feel like usually when somebody either likes or dislikes a show you know the best you can hope for if you're trying to persuade them to like it is you know a, a appreciation mm-hmm. you can get somebody to be like oh i understand what you mean i kind of respect it i'm still not really going to watch it you know you can get this kind of faint version of it so it's when somebody responds to that anti-vacuum of knowing what everyone thinks about something, it doesn't ever feel like they're, you know, being stubborn. It always just feels like, no, but I've never been challenged in that way. Yeah. You know, like the prevailing opinion can challenge you about something mm-hmm. in a way that I think is actually kind of good. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is weird, mm-hmm. but it is. Uh, and the that is more of a watch out for fireballs thing than it is for uh, bonfire side chat thing. Oh, because for sure. You know, that's when people write in and they love Soul Reaver. The reason why is because they experience it in that vacuum. And it's like, oh, this is pretty cool. You know, <laughs> like it's it, there's they have that, you know, they don't know. They weren't exposed to a lot of critical voices about it or they just, you know, they just like it. I'm just using that yeah, as an example. Yeah. yeah. But nostalgia is kind of tied to that, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Like no, I have a lot of nostalgia for things I didn't have to think about because the idea of having my opinion challenged or even disagreed with wasn't really a possibility. Right. Or at least it didn't, it didn't come as fast and frequently, or if you're like looking for other opinions, it, it wasn't as re- readily available, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like I could maybe ask my friend what he thought of the game. I don't know what he thought about it, you know, if, and that's if he played it. Uh, yeah. And that's, that's kind of where I was at as opposed to now where like, but I, I actually kind of love that. Like when there's something, when I play something that um, is either kind of maligned that uh i really liked or vice versa i really like being able to go out and see find examinations of it Mm -hmm. you know like um we just did the episode on invisible war which you know the discussion the the narrative is that game is absolute trash um i like that game a lot and Mm -hmm. it's been really i've liked reading reviews and seeing what people think about it yeah it doesn't necessarily mean that like oh you're right this is terrible Mm -hmm. but it does help me recognize some flaws and think about the things like why do i like this in spite of those undeniable consensuses Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess when so. I say it's weird, it's not like a, it's weird, bad, you know, uh, it's new. another way. It's like something that people yeah. didn't have to deal it, with. It's, it's more just like that. saying, oh, that's just the way things work now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm into it. Yeah. Like I, I want to know, uh, I like reviews. I like mm-hmm. knowing what the consensus is on things. Yep. Uh, regardless of what my consensus is on it. Or my, my um, <laughs> the yeah, so the she, royal consensus. Yeah, the, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, so thanks everybody for responding. Yep. We want your PvP stories. Mm-hmm. If you uh, hit us up at duckfeed.tv forward slash contact and only there, um, please write your concise, unique, and uh, kind of affecting PvP stories. And we'll read them during the next appendix when mm-hmm. we're joined by Peeve Peverson, the PvP master. <laughs> I'm sure he <laughs> does not like being called that. Um <laughs> He, he is, uh, but he's been doing PvP for Souls games for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, very accomplished at it. Yeah. And if you're not a PvP uh, PvP person, the next area that we are going after is uh, Irithel Dungeon, kind of combined with uh, the Profane Capital. Yes. Yeah. Another area that doesn't have a boss. 
um, yep. the uh, the Aerithal Dungeon. Yep. So thus, the getting combined. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the poise thing first because there's not that much to say about it. Yes. Um, Reddit detectives have done more stuff to figure out poise. Um, it's very similar to what it was the last time people <laughs> found the answer. So super yes. armor. It's essentially hyper armor. Um, it still means that uh, an attack, if you're not in an animation, no matter what an attack is, it will stagger you. Right. Um, the details of it are different. I'll find a link in the show notes mm-hmm. um, if you want to read the like novel size thing that I mean, pretty much says hyper armor. Um, it is that is, but it is a value. So when something says it has poise, this is the thing it's manipulating. So mm-hmm. it is technically false to say that poise doesn't exist in the game. No. Um, when we talk about poise not being there, we just mean Dark Souls One, Dark Souls Two poise, right? Like not being there. It's still hyper armor based. It's still based on your weapon. Um, you're still only going to get invincibility frames when you are using uh, when you're swinging, and you get more of them for swinging a large weapon. Right. Um, it's still kind of contrary and frustrating. Mm-hmm. It is uh, uh, a familiar name for an unfamiliar thing. Yes. Dark Souls yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's frustrating, and they should never have called it poise. <laughs> right. Um, and that kind of uh, dovetails a little bit into uh, the trailer for the DLC. Yes. Um, put in a spoiler wall real quick. If you're going into that blind, uh, now is the time to end the episode. Mm-hmm. Patreon.com slash DuckFeedTV. Um, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so the first piece of DLC was announced. It's coming out um, in October, I believe, like October 25th, something like that. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, what is it? It's called uh, The Ashes, Ashes of, of Ariandel. I, I, yeah, Ashes of Ariandel. Um, and, uh, they released a trailer. There's some, uh, kind of, uh, you know, the, uh, description of what's going to be there, new, new, uh, areas, new enemies, new, uh, new bosses, stuff like that. Um, and also kind of this PVP focus, um, that they're mm-hmm. uh, throwing in there, uh, kind of leading me to believe that there's going to be something like a, uh, like the arena. Stoicism. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, uh, this is the, uh, this is the $10 piece and then the $15 piece is going to come later. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah, so the uh, lorehounds have been all over it, um, trying to determine what it is um, and what it is not, um, which has been interesting. And some of that has been kind of garbage supposition. Like, based on the name, people put up videos because the first <laughs> video gets clicks. Like, yep. there's the economic aspect of Souls fandom that you can't really ignore. Um, the uh, What it looks like to me, um, kind of my, my grander response to it is that I think it looks cool like in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Um, like the bosses look cool to fight. The weapons look cool to use. The guy who I'm attacks ex- you with the Lord vessel. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or, or the, uh, profane flame nugget yeah. thing, or, you know, that's what, uh, cause it's got lava in it. Um, mm-hmm. he looks like a giant Corvian. Um, the reason, you know, so that stuff is cool. Like I'm excited for more souls. Yep. Um, my other part of me feels like there's a lot of evidence that this is probably going into the painted world. Well, um, I mean, they show the bridge or they show a bridge. Yes. And again, yeah, I'm guarding they, my heart. You know, I've, yeah. I, they've, they've, they've uh, faked me out before, you know, they, they show the bridge. Um, they have the Corvians, uh, the Corvian Lord, which Corvians have an explicit, um, connection to the painted world. It is a snowy area. It has like a basement that looks a little bit like the basement, mm-hmm. uh, there. Um, it's Ariandel, which is the kind of like Londor. It's the kind of faster <laughs> vacation of a name. And there's a character who looks like he's painting a painting, mm-hmm. uh, in the trailer as well. Yeah. I feel like it's probably the Painted World, uh, which Painted World, my favorite area in Souls history, still bums <laughs> me out, though, because I don't need to know how it's updated. 
<laughs> like I just I would rather like our time is so we have two DLCs like <laughs> roughly to have I mean this could still explain some of the unanswered questions and actually move the story forward but if this actually is the painted world fully half of the Dark Souls 3 DLC is going to be largely concerned with callbacks right is going to take place in a callback area that bums me out a lot mm-hmm um, so the idea being possibly, you know, and this, this is just a piece that was put together in my head. What if they tried to banish the profane flame out into, um, the painted world and that caused the, uh, the barrier to break. Sure. You know, maybe, I don't know. Like it but, could be the only thing that looks like the flame ties to it is that, is that jar or that, that kind of basin that could be, it looks kind of Lord of Leslie kind of looks a little bit profane flamey. I don't think mm-hmm. anyone has done a smoking gun on exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, could just be a golden bowl, you know, like another, like it, it could be neither mm-hmm. um, very easily. Um, it doesn't look to be answering, you know, the two things that I'm, I'm of a mind with the body is like the two things they want the DLCs to deal with because they're the two biggest unanswered questions are, um, or three, I guess there are three profane flame, mm-hmm. Bla- Sable church of Londor, Lothric Royal family. Right. Um, are the three things this doesn't have anything explicit that says it's dealing with any of those. Right. Um, it doesn't mean it won't, but it could just be about Velka and the Corvians and stuff, which like I was pretty cool with where Velka landed with things. <laughs> right. Like I liked Velka as a mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really, I didn't really need the Corvians explained. Like they're perplexing, but there are bigger fish to fry. I felt like yeah. So my I'm in a position where I'm looking forward to playing it, but desperately hoping my assumptions are wrong. Right. No. Yeah, I don't know. It's um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. It, it, no. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy it's coming out so soon. We don't have to wait till November oh, yeah. to, uh, to to see it, uh, like we did with Bloodborne. Um, yeah, just so, so many unanswered questions. They're fainting towards something that seems just like a uh, like a little bit expected, right? Um, yeah. In terms because, of because not... here's a worst case scenario. Like yeah. this is this one, and the next one is Artorias of the Abyss themed. <laughs> there, there's a wolf in this trailer. If that's Sif, the podcast ends. Like at the moment we get to that point. Your iPhone will die. <laughs> My computer will die. I'm going to put the cyanide capsule on the entire enterprise. <laughs> Can't bring Sif back. Nope. Like, don't bring Sif back. You already kind of <laughs> did it with the old wolf who was friends with Sif, but looked grosser. <laughs> like don't, don't have Sif show up in the painted world. Yeah. Like, I mean, it just, and it's probably, it's going to be Sif word, you know, or if it is like a Sif thing, it's just going to be another, just what if there's a character that's functionally identical, but has, you know, a different name. I don't know. I'm, I'm, pretty worried about it yeah uh, i'm also a little bit a little bit baffled at the uh the kind of the inclusion so towards the end of the trailer um they just kind of show this montage of fighting bosses from the main body of the game mm-hmm. and i don't see anything anything that shows like new abilities like maybe when they're fighting the like one of the two princes there's like a, a different thing that was, it's like a sigil on the ground but like that's such a weird thing to include yeah, I think that sigil is the the prince's teleport. Ah, shit, yeah. Sigil right. too, yeah. So it is a weird thing to include. Um, somebody wrote in on something, it was either on Reddit, uh, was talking about how all of the bosses have a connection to uh, Guinevere, um, which is uh, true, you know, mm-hmm. uh, those three that they show. Um, I always just felt like trailer purposes to me. You yeah. know, like we need to make this have a cool climactic end. Yeah. Um, and if there is a second boss, which I'm sure there's more than one boss, they just didn't want to show yeah. any boss other than the Corvian Lord thing yeah. with the uh, the gigantic uh, profane vessel. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I don't know why they show those bosses. Yeah. So we have uh, Osiris, we have the Nameless King, and then we also have uh, uh, one the of princes. the two princes, and then we have uh, Gwendolyn, or sorry, Aldrich. Aldrich, yeah. Aldrich, yeah. So that could that could be why. I'm not sure why they show them either, though. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd be remiss if not mentioning um, there's a Reddit post that's very popular that says that the DLC definitely has a connection to Eldia because of a four-note piano phrase that's mm. buried very deep in the trailer music. Okay. Um, I'm listening. <laughs> uh, the, I, I don't necessarily buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, the four notes are there. Um, there's a YouTube comparison. I'll throw it up. Mm-hmm. Um, one, um, I think that it's pretty easy to come up with the same four notes in a row in two different compositions. Yeah. Um, that doesn't, that doesn't seem to, um, from can be very intentional about their music. Uh, but just a couple episodes ago, you know, the Nito theme is definitely in the, the Aldrich theme mm-hmm. and that didn't add up to anything yeah. you know so like that wasn't you know that's not neato um <laughs> or you know definitely probably not neato you know at the very least so like the uh it could just be a coincidence even if it is the the same thing yeah because nothing else really leads to that um it would make sense for aldia to be there mm-hmm. i love aldia so i would i want it to be aldia but i'm not convinced by the music yeah. thing i don't think that's very strong evidence mm-hmm. um yeah yeah, so I'm excited for more. Obviously, we're gonna play it. Yeah. We're gonna cover it. Um, probably the show will end if that is Seth. Oh yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, that's it for the show. Um, the because uh, I mean, man, why you bring back Seth? What's the okay? So what what is the threshold? Like uh, you know, so if it is just Seth like, and this is another you know, like if he if he's like biting onto a spear and attacking you, and is basically a, re- <laughs> a, re- a redux of the of the uh, of the Sif fight. Like, does he have to come out and say, "Well, hello there, I'm Sif, the talking dog." <laughs> Remember my old friend, Artorius? I think you'll be very surprised when I open this tomb. <laughs> hello, player, you're great. Um, <laughs> yeah, aren't you cool for liking Dark Souls One? Uh. No, I mean, I, is, the, that what, show, is that what it takes? That I like the show doesn't end. I will just be very sad. <laughs> like, cause Sif, Sif is dignified and a good boy, good girl, you know, yeah. and just don't, don't dig up. It'd be like, it's like when they do like the, you know, uh, Duke vision where it's like Frank Sinatra may not, or, uh, Frank Sinatra may not like it, but I'm going to, if I want his, his corpse dancing with a shaver, he will be, you know, <laughs> it's like Duke vision, like yeah. where they bring back star. It's like, it feels profane. Yep. Like not to, you know, use a loaded term, but it feels, you know, disrespectful. Yeah. You know, to a thing. And maybe that's like the kind of the idea. Like I, I posted on Twitter, um, Nick Capazzoli, uh, his review of Dark Souls 3. Most of them are kind of Patreon exclusive for a long time. Mm-hmm. So we finally released it to the public and it's a pretty damning review. Um, but he was saying, like he kind of reads that disrespect and these callbacks as kind of openly antagonistic. Um, and it's a really interesting read. Like, like fan hostile. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's just kind of like, fine, whatever. Fuck you. Like just this, <laughs> this idea that, you know, the fans that have kept going through it, uh, from was never going to like outrun them or outpace them or satisfy them. So mm-hmm. here's everything you want. Fuck it. You know, yeah. and the hardest game that we can make. Like it, it, it's it, like they actively hostile is kind of how he, uh, he frames it. Yeah. And I don't necessarily agree with all of it. Like he has a lower, kind of perception of the game in general than I do, Mm -hmm. but it's an interesting take. How's that possible? (laughs) Yes. He's a, well, you know, he's a, he's a professional games journalist. (laughs) It's because he, he's uh, gotten rid of the ethics limiter on his uh, (laughs) soul. Um, But it would be, uh, that would be so outright hostile to me. If that's Sif, like what a, what a thing to do. Yeah. 
you know, what a thing to do to me. <laughs> you know and also like if they it doesn't seem like there would be any kind of justification that would again you know that they 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 would overpay for it right yeah 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 sif is canonically dead you know and sif's death was really meaningful and awesome yep so don't uh like don't toy with that yep um the thing i was mentioning about poise is some people say that there's evidence in the trailer that poise is is back like traditional poise Uh, Um, oh in the basement scene in what scene? In the basement scene, maybe? I don't know. I don't see it. Like <laughs> that's the only place that's the only place I could possibly see poise like coming into effect when I watch this thing. I see like the main character gets staggered a lot. Yeah. In the trailer. Um part of that is because of that sizzle reel with all the bosses is about your guy getting hit. Mm-hmm. You know? But um people have said that. I haven't seen it. Uh if people do see it, let me know. But mm-hmm. I see the main character get staggered a lot uh yeah. during this. So um maybe poise will be back with this, maybe not. Yeah. Um but yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. I want to play it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that there's a lot of new NPCs, it seems. Yeah. That's really cool. I want this new dialogue because uh, one of the things, um, and I agree with, I've talked about this, is how fast uh, NPCs clam up mm-hmm. in Dark Souls 3. And that's a specific problem that like the, the Nick guy talks about. Yeah. It's just how people just shut up and stop talking to you like pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So it makes it difficult to uh, to get that information you want. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah. we don't know when we're going to be covering this. I mean, obviously, we have no information about where this fits in, what you what you need to do in order to get this, whether it's going to um, be more kind of useful to talk about it before the end of the game or after. Um, yeah. You know, we don't know if this is going to be like a Dark Souls 2 kind of thing or a Dark Souls 3. Um, just so many things are up in the air. If anybody's looking for that answer, we don't have it right now. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, we, we have no idea what the next thing is going to be either. So, yes. I would love it if it made sense to talk about this before the end. Me too. Um, so we don't have that like kind of awkward recontextualization mm-hmm. of the ending that happens later. But I just don't know what it will be. It doesn't. Nothing in the trailer makes it feel like it sheds light on anything. Right. It feels like totally new information. So. Mm-hmm. And and you know it's, we don't know what the second one's going to be. And the fact that one's priced more makes me think that it's reasonably could be bigger. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's where they're going to wrap up like all of it. Yeah. You know, it's the profaned royal family, Londor you know deep extravaganza yeah exactly you know maybe that's the <laughs> case um but yeah i'm i'm excited to play it it looks really good i want to fight that corvian lava boss mm-hmm. i want to cast a blizzard spell oh the spells are great cryomancy <laughs> yeah. they finally brought it in so um yeah but that that's kind of the trailer impressions yeah so uh we will probably talk more as things uh, as things go we're generally not like a breaking news uh kind of source um no. for this kind of stuff but it was requested um I, we did have thoughts on it and uh, yeah, yeah, if anything else comes out like that, um, we will address it. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, yeah, we're definitely not a breaking news thing, considering that you're hearing this two weeks after. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so, our first impressions of it, at, like the day it came out. Yeah. Um, so schedule Uber Alice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, if you, uh, as I mentioned, we watch your PVP stories. If you'd like to support the show, that is patreon.com forward slash duckfeed TV. Mm hmm. Um, yeah. Yep. Duckfeed.tv slash shirts. If you want to see uh, shirts, mugs, stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, we maybe if there are, uh, lead scenes, you'll hear them. If not, uh, mm-hmm. thank you guys very much for listening and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. And we all pray that we will have far more soon. Mm-hmm.